environment. Welcome back to the Air Environment. It's been a little while. Um, it's been a the hot world minute. Has been, yeah, the world has been slowly falling apart, and so have we. So um, it's just been a while. <laughs> so <just> kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we are back, and uh, we've at least got the podcast now up on iTunes. So if you've just been subscribing on SoundCloud, make sure you check that out. If we don't have it on Spotify and Google Play yet, it should be up there within due time as well. But, Aaron, we're back, and uh, our conversation last time was really getting us set up for um, several more conversations. You want to tell us where we were and where we're going? Uh, yeah, multi-part uh, series here. Multiverse. <laughs> Uh, so we're talking about uh, ideas of like creation and how the world was created. And last time we covered like what the actual science says. So like Earth is like 13 billion years old and all scientific evidence supports that. And then we talked about young Earth creationism and how they believe that the Earth was created in six literal 24-hour days and that they think the Earth is uh, only 6,000 years old, which uh, we know to be false. And that is, like, obviously there's more layers to that, but that is kind of what we talked about. And so this week we're going to talk about a little bit about old Earth creationism. So there's old Earth creationism is kind of like almost like a compromise between young Earth creation and theistic evolution, which is like there's a design, but God did it. Um, and that's that the Earth is old. It's as old as we say it does. So it's more compatible with scientific evidence in like physics and chemistry and geology and like specifically the age of the Earth. Uh, but still rejects things like macroevolution, which is there's macro and microevolution. So microevolution is like different um, evolution within a species so a lot of people use the example of darwin's finches and how they all develop different beaks that's a micro evolution and macro evolution is more like the broad scoping concepts of a common descendant and we evolved from there so they reject that and say and they don't support the fossil record and say that the universal concept of a universal common ancestor is just like non-existent so it is like a weird middle ground that a lot of people fall into. So we're going to talk about, there are two types of it today. So there's several types that we'll cover. And today we're going to talk about gap creationism and day age creationism. So I will start with, any questions so far, Jamin? Or? Uh, just clarify with the micro-macro uh, one would be, well, you already said it. Why don't you, just one more time. <laughs> okay. So, 
<laughs> Microevolution is evolution that occurs within the confines of a species. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, dog breeds are guided to look that way, but it's a form of evolution or how birds will evolve to fulfill specific ecological niches in their environment, even though they're the same species, technically, their beaks are different, so they have a different, they're different birds. Um, Macro evolution is evolution of all organisms, which is, like I said, with a last common ancestor, last ancient common ancestor, so that is like... We all evolved from one thing, and that that branches off to a bunch of other different evolutions. I thought you were pitting those against each other, not no, just explaining. <laughs> no, they're complementary. <laughs> I was like, wait, which one won? I, I don't understand. So, uh, No, so I was saying that young Earth creationists usually agree with microevolution and that you can see it within speciation, but they mm. reject macroevolution as a concept. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I, I understand where we're headed now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that brings us to the two we're going to talk about today, which is gap creationism and day age creationism. And these two are two very interesting alike views of OEC, which is Old Earth Creationism. And they both revolve around this word in Greek, I think it is. No, it's Hebrew. I'm sorry. It's Hebrew It's because uh, it's Old Testament. It's the word yom. Am I correct saying that, Jamin? Uh, Yom, yeah, it's Yom. the C, right? Yeah, that's the I know the it's spelled Y O M in English, but yeah. D and D, you've got Yom. This, or is it in D and D? It might be. It Yom. was. It was like a old. Uh, it was a god in other religions. The C itself would like be personified as a being. So. Oh well, this is a Hebrew word that mm. refers to. Uh, either a period of light or a general word for time or a point in time, sunset to sunrise, sunrise to sunset, a year. It's like has a bunch of, it's one word and it has many different meanings. So it could be any any type of like different meaning for that. So I'm talking about a completely different word than my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Y-O-M. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm talking about Y A M. Oh, see. Maybe I'm wrong. I'll look I it don't up. Know Hebrew though, so you you learned Hebrew. Uh- <laughs> no, I I didn't. I just when I was oh. writing my kaiju book, there was a lot of talk about one of the yams or yams. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which see, is a whole just... another thing in English. <laughs> <laughs> I only speak one language, so this is uh, I'm stre- I'm stretching my abilities here. Right. But uh, right, I found it. did you do? Word. The word I was thinking of was Tehom. Sorry, I don't know why. I, was <laughs> I love yes, the way continue. your mind works. Uh, gap creationism is a six literal 24-hour days, but they still stick with that, and days being light and dark being night, as God has specified. But they say that there was a gap of time that is has no like set time between two days being Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Now, Jamin, do you have your Bible nearby? I do. Do you want to read Genesis 1-1 and then Genesis 1-2? In the beginning, 
<laughs> God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That was one and two. That's it. So, ah! between... yeah? Yim, yim, no. Nope, nope, never mind. Doesn't matter. Looking at a different Hebrew word. Okay. So they believe between the Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, there was an indistinct amount of time that occurred between there. They believe several things. It could be... I have to look at my notes because some believe uh, beyond reasonable doubt that the Earth is far older than it can be accounted for. Wait, yeah. And they think that it could possibly be during the time in which the angels ruled the heavens and when Satan was cast out of heaven and thrown into hell, wherever he is hanging out. So they think that's what occurred between those two sets of time. Yeah, which ignores the rest of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, that is fair. It is distinctly different from Day Gap, which we will cover later. But it is like that you have to, those that the interpretation of Yom and the interpretation of those two verses really signify the difference between these two beliefs because they think the way that Yom was written and the way you stop speaking right there is where oh no yeah is where all of this occurred sorry I read a lot of stuff today so I'm well we can uh, de yeah. deconstruct gap theory if you want well, that's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to talk about the history a little bit. So it's long yeah. before, like, modern age of geology, church writers have examined the biblical text and considered that that was the time when the world, the created world, fell into chaos. Which you can, is that a thing that happened? Are you asking? I am. Like, the created world fell into chaos? Like, is that a thing that happened at the beginning? Uh, there's no expl explanation anywhere of that. So, I mean, people are always trying to figure out when Satan fell and, you know, mm -hmm. messed everything up. And this is one of the ways in which people try to compensate, especially if you want to believe that the world is both old and young. You know, it's like, well, let's put this huge stretch of time into the Bible where it doesn't belong and say that that's the case. But first off, if you want to be literal mm -hmm. the passage people take and i'm talking literal in literary terms here and mm -hmm. revelation when satan rises up to fight god and then is cast out of the heavens technically that happens when jesus is born <laughs> like from a <laughs> literal standpoint jesus is getting ready to be born in this revelation context the way it's trying to retell the story of jesus and Satan and a bunch of angels turn on God, and then Satan's cast out of the heavens. So, that's confusing, because we know Satan fell before that, because Isaiah said he fell out of the heavens way before all that. So, right. Revelation already is a confusing book when it comes to time frame, because it goes forward, backward, stop, current, future, past 
forward, back. It's all over the place. And <laughs> because because it's using a lot of allegory and metaphor, it's hard to tell when it's being like serious about chronological things. But either way, it would agree Satan has his fall from heaven, just as Isaiah said, just as Jesus referenced, you know. Right. When I saw my disciples out. I think casting out demons, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He's quoting Isaiah, something that's already happened. But the continuation of Satan's fall happens as Christians rise up to do his work, you know. Um, but Satan's there in the garden. And right. I could be wrong here, but like that's God's sacred space. What's he doing there? I'd say one possibility is, and I'm, I don't know, you know. <laughs> But one possibility is, like, his fall was in that moment as well. Uh, Ezekiel says that he was a perfect being until something shifted in him, that he was a cherub, uh, which means he, he's now a little baby with wings. Cherubim, cherubim protected sacred spaces. Where is Satan found? It's in the Garden of Eden, around a sacred space, around a tree mm-hmm. within that. So he might be a protector of that tree. And then leads humanity to worship him instead of God, and therefore everything gets messed up in that moment. Demons later are—they're not found before all this. The demons are found in the—we've—I think we talked about it before the disembodied souls of the giants is what some prophets would say it was, uh, or at least later Jewish literature would say it was, and anything that turned against God would be considered a demon as well. Some of those big level beings being found in the Tower of Babel chronologically. So, like, the Bible, anyways, that all sounds like gibberish, I know, but. (laughs) Uh, Actually, I think it shows very well, like, it's really easy to get bogged down in timelines, not really quite understand how everything occurs chronologically. So, I think it was a great example. (laughs) Well, good. Thank you. Almost all of that takes place after you know creation this one and two yeah exactly right like even the principalities and powers that turn against god they weren't put into place until the tower of babel which was much after creation so i don't know we we don't know the the chronology is kind of confusing and you can tell the bible writers are learning more about the fallen spiritual realm as time goes on and god reveals it to them but there's nothing that's like before ev- time began, a great enemy came out of nowhere and the world was filled with demons. And then there was a first flood that wiped them all out, <laughs> which is what some people do with gap creation is like the world's just water in the beginning as right. though there already was a world and then got wiped it out and humanity is like the start over of trying again. Like it just, it's all just made up to try to make yeah. evolution still not fit. Right. So this, <laughs> this particular idea though is persistent throughout the, like it exists in first century AD, hmm. like Papias's Herapolis, some Greek was like convinced that this happened. He gave like, God gave some of the angels dominion over arrangement of the world, and he commissioned them to exercise their dominion as well, but it happened that their arrangement came to nothing, and then one, two happens. Uh, third century, 
occurs and people are still talking about it like oh the physical realm but we're not sure it was prior to the physical realm uh and so by the time the medieval period comes around uh so vic he was hugh of saint victor he was some sort of ca- canon saxon guy 1097 he wrote that genesis 1 and 2 perhaps enough had already been debated on these matters thus far and if we could add only how long did this world remain in this disorder before the regular ordering of it was taken in hand so it's like something that's you could say is as old as the church itself this particular idea it wasn't until i mean you really want to read about there's a ton of writings like there's jewish writings about it like it's very like consistent um throughout like time and space i suppose but it wasn't until the 18th century it became attractive like like mainstream i suppose because a branch a new branch of science had been recently created geology Which is wild to think that geology was just newly established in the late 18th century. And it was just determined that the Earth was far older than common interpretations of Genesis, which was basically young Earth creation and, like, was was different and opposition in, like, Bible-based flood geology. So, gap creation allowed religious geologists, which... We've talked about before a lot of people who were scientists were also Christian. Uh, it allowed them to reconcile the faith of the Bible and the new authority of science. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a it's a fun theory, and I, as one who enjoys a good fantastical element, <laughs> I like to hop into stuff like that. I just you, I think when you look at all the material the Bible gives you, none of it pushes you to think. Remember the Grand Rebellion before before time. It does show you that angels and all spiritual beings already existed before humanity existed. So by all means, since they rebel later, they easily could have rebelled before. But mm-hmm. this idea that like the Earth had this prior arrangement where things went horribly wrong and angels were living on it for some reason <laughs> instead of physical beings... And they messed everything. I don't know. It just, we don't know what happened before. And I don't think the Bible's that concerned because I don't think it was trying to say that there was anything between verse one and verse two. If anything, there's this fight in the Bible between chaos and order. And so it starts with chaos. The world's just one giant ball of water, which the water always symbolizes chaos. That's why in Revelation, it's just done away with because we're done with chaos it's all order now um and then god steps into the chaos and brings out order like there's no reason to have to read a bunch of things in there though plenty of other mythologies and ancient culture would have had stories about all the gods fighting and the world coming to be so i don't know gap theory almost looks like to some extent a little bit like other ancient mythologies than than the one the bible presents but I don't know. Yeah, it's just, um, it's an interesting, a lot of this, ref, like, can, like leans on one small punctuation. So there's 
there's a text, and I think it's called the Mesioric text, contains one small mark at the end of Genesis 1-1, which is referred to as a rebhia, which acts as a disjunctive accent, indicating that the reader is to pause before proceeding to the next verse. So people usually interpret that as they have to pause because then this is time has passed. And then verse 2 should be translated as beginning with a but and rather than an and. But that is like one text and like a very small little bitty thing to support it. But otherwise, it's all just this like like what you said, you're pulling stuff from Isaiah, from Revelation, um, like someone like there's one here was pulled from Psalms, like the Holy Spirit was renewing the face of the earth as he hovered above the face of the waters, like like a lot of like really weird small things that they pull out to interpret it in this yeah. way. Yeah. I just think it it can be an example of a cool idea that has very little to go off of in which when you look at some of the other ideas like, oh, wait, this whole story has already been written down. Why am I trying to insert a whole idea of my making just to make it fit within kind of my science of the universe? I don't know. But yeah, yeah I mean, the Masoretic text would have been much later. So was that in the original or was it inserted later? I'd I don't know, but does a does a pause really indicate? Hey, a of time, right? <laughs> there was a few centuries. We all know that because a comma was here, right? You know, like that just doesn't quite doesn't strike me as compelling, though interesting. I don't know. Yes, yeah. Then that, yeah, that's pretty much where you have to go. It's an interesting thing, but it's not compelling, and it's definitely not backed by enough science to. Or enough scripture, I would say. Or enough say. scripture, even. Both both ends of the spectrum, it's just... Like, it is a really bad compromise. Everyone is unhappy, so that's why it acts as more of a middle ground between the two. Yeah. Yeah. But the next one I want to discuss is... Surrounds that same concept of that word yom and how time is interpreted in the Bible. And that is day-age creationism. Um, it holds that the six days in Genesis weren't actual literal 24-hour days because the Hebrew word yom is referred to uh, any period of time. So with a beginning and an end, but not necessarily a 24-hour day. So they think that it refers to much longer periods, anywhere from thousands to billions of years. And that is how like that account is reconciled with the like age of the Earth. So people who usually... like lean on this theory are theistic evolutionists who accept like scientific consensus on evolution but other people like progressive creationists which we'll cover later or like young earth they reject it um, because they uh, again these are usually in like they don't accept things like macroevolution and common descent so yeah, the young earth, what was I saying? The day-age theory is attempting to re reconcile views of young earth creationism and theistic evolution and scientific stuff like the Big Bang, but it doesn't support all of the scientific evidence that we have. 
so far. Again, it's another middle ground. Gotcha. I am curious if you have an answer to this because uh, it was probably like 2010 or so. Uh, I think it's it's called the Genesis Enigma by Andrew something. Ooh, I've Let heard of Andrew it. something. He seems like a very interesting Andrew person. Parker. So, I, if I understand right, he was some kind of scientist of sorts and not necessarily religious by any means, but he was caught off guard because, at least based on the evolutionistic worldview of his time, um, which was a few years ago, I know it's always evolving, but uh, <laughs> a few years ago, what he found was the way in which we thought the world evolved was the same exact order that the bible predicted and for him he's like since he's a science guy he's like mathematically this makes no sense was this divinely inspired or not so i was just curious if you know was the bible's accounting of creation does it match the order in which people think scientists believe the world evolved um I'm not sure, to be honest. I I lean more towards on that it's actually an allegory and not that it is like literal fact, but um, possible. Well, I I agree with that. The one thing that stood out to me is like the first off, the people at that time would not care the way in which evolution happened because they wouldn't believe in it, think of it, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So my curiosity was. As God guided them to write the scriptures, did they happen to write their allegory in a way that people way down the road would be like, holy cow, you know, like, there's no way they could have got this right. Look at the way in which God maybe guided them while they were writing their allegory to also be scientifically correct by the means of evolution. So, and for me, I'm I'm not necessarily a day-age guy either. I just believe God created everything. I So yeah, I don't really care. Yeah, I'm just curious. Um, well, let's talk about this. So day one is light, day, and night. So that is the beginning of the universe, Big Bang. Sure, we got that covered. So day two is the sea and the heavens. And... So the Earth is formed out of debris around a solar planetary disk. There is no life. Temperatures are extremely hot. Frequent volcanic activity. Really bad environments. Uh, Possible early oceans or bodies of liquid water. The moon is formed. So that's the Hydean Eon, which was like 4,000 million years ago or something like that. Um, And then day three is land and vegetation. So, Archaean, first form of life, emerges at the beginning of the eon. There's uh, atmosphere composed of volcanic and greenhouse gases. So, first form of life, I guess. So, the plants could be that. Um, Day four, sun, moon, and stars. Well, that is a bit odd because the moon has already been formed. Yeah, again, this is how you see its allegory. Yeah. There's also yeah, waters mean, covering everything, and then yeah. he makes the sea. So, like, you know. <laughs> we'll cover that in the actual literary allegory. Jamin and I are on the same page. If anybody's listening to this, I feel like I'm screaming into my mic. I just realized. I'm sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm sorry for everyone who has been listening to me. But I, I mean, just like a precursory glance at a Wikipedia page, I would disagree. But 
Um, I think I would have to read the book. Uh, well, like I said, this was some time ago. Things are always changing. He was just an evolutionary biologist who was surprised that based on the understanding of the pace, probably on how life evolved, hey, we did see this and then this and this from his understanding. So he's like, yeah, maybe maybe the Bible was divinely inspired because there's no way ancient people would have ever gotten this right. So that was yeah. that was kind of his his consensus and it definitely shouldn't have taken like two, 300 pages to say I mean, that. Cause who yeah. knows? So. I agree with him. Day one and four seem to be very much off, but like we definitely had the sea and sea creatures before we had like land and land creatures. So in that sense, sure. Like yeah. day, sea, land, all in order, sun, sea creatures, birds, land creatures, all that came in that order. But in two separate things there so yeah either way it wouldn't have been the intent of the authors it would have just been either dumb luck or inspiration so i was just curious yeah. uh, but yeah i mean for me you know i think they're getting at a lot of allegorical points so it doesn't really matter to me so much like a day age idea because i think that again partially misunderstands what it was getting at yeah but uh day age creationism is like the most literal interpretation of that like their figurative views can be like traced back to saint augustine but he's pretty much the only guy until the 18th century so it's not like gap creationism where there was a lot backing up it was like once geology had been created everything changed so, Scottish lawyer and geologist Charles Lyell published a very famous work called The Principles of Geology, and it interpreted geological change as a steady accumulation of minute changes over enormously long periods of time. Um, so, a lot of geologists who are also Christian were like, well, we have to reconcile this. And that's when they started moving away from the gap to maybe each day is an age in like uh, some set amount of time that we're unaware of. Um, the most famous uh, one that you know that I'm sure you've heard of, Jamin, I hope you went to school, uh, was an American politician, anti-evolution campaigner, and Scopes trial prosecutor, William Jennings Bryan. Do you remember what the Scopes trial is? Uh, so someone had a telescope and <laughs> They wanted to... Uh... Okay, the Scopes trial is formally known as the State of Tennessee versus T John Thomas Scopes. It's also referred to as the Scopes Monkey Trial. It's an American case in, like, the 20s or something, uh, where a high school teacher, John Scopes, was accused of violating uh, some law where he wasn't allowed to teach human evolution in any state-funded school. So, it at first they were just gonna be like oh you broke the law whatever but then they wanted to do like a staged trial in tennessee so it became like this big proceeding people listened to it on the radio it was huge big like scopes was ultimately found guilty and fined a hundred dollars but the verdict was like overturned later but it drew like national attention and uh, big like big name lawyers so Williams Jennings Bryan uh, argued for the prosecution and he 
basically broke down in an argument where he admitted that he thought the earth was far older than 6,000 years. And he was, he was arguing on like young earth creation as, as a young earth creationist, when in fact he was a day age creationist. And that really like he, people did not like him after that. He didn't do well (laughs) in those circles afterwards because they thought it was like him admitting to evolution. And it was like a public affront to young earth creationists, but he is very famous. Um, it's a very famous trial. I had to watch mm. a movie on it uh, in uh, high school called Dust in the Wind. I'm pretty sure is what it was called. So. <laughs> yeah, the things that we would fight over. <laughs> I mean, a younger version of myself would have probably done it too. So I guess it was. You yeah. probably wouldn't have sued anyone, but he would have been mad. So. I always have to remember where I've been before I say things. <laughs> before I say just things in general. Before I say things. Um, yeah, so that stage, creationist, creationism, um, it's mostly, it was mostly prevalent through the 18th century, and then, like, the most famous, obviously, was that. And, like, some people still go with it, like, in 1994, there was some astronomer who wrote a book and then he basically was like the book was to defend the day age view. It's called a creation in time and astronomer Hugh Ross. That's was his name. He like, Oh yeah. He I founded read... a day age ministry called reasons to believe. I didn't realize that was a day age ministry. I have read one of his books. Uh, um, something planet. Impossible plan. I, I, I'm trying to remember. What was it? Ross? Hugh Ross. Yeah, I have read his book, Improbable Planet, uh, which was more or less like a is there life out there? Probably not, because look at how perfect the Earth is. But for me, that just proves evolution, you know, because we exist so perfectly within the bounds of what is here. I don't think that says like if the temperature was just one degree cooler, I mean, it might, cause this is the only way we know it in which life can exist. Right. That's why right. we look for Goldilocks planets. The ones that aren't just this much or this much, but just right. Cause we know it can exist here. So maybe it exists there, but I don't know if I, I feel like you go in the water, you expect to find water creatures. We can't live there, but they can. Why? <laughs> well, that was their surroundings. You go on land, the same thing. So to me, like, uh, I, that whole book for me, I was like, eh, I feel like the basis is a little off. Like, if you zoom in on just exact how our planet is just right for us, you're never going to find anything that matches us perfectly. Right. But if you just stop and say, wait, doesn't this mean that like we were designed for this planet rather than this planet designed for us? Uh, you're the scientist. I probably shouldn't be talking on this. But <laughs> nonetheless, uh, that guy uh, is a Christian scientist who gives a lot more leeway to... <laughs> To most of the arguments that Christians are known to fight about, like he would be very different from from a lot of them. So, right. 
you may find a friend in him. <laughs> well, he has a lot of books, and sounds like Jamin's read a few, so... I've only read one, but hmm. I've got another one that he helped write about aliens that i got to get into. Nice. <laughs> I just like to make sure your podcast sounds as crazy as possible. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, <laughs> we're we're appealing to a very small subset of people. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Oh man. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's day age creationism. It basically hinges on uh how they interpret like one or two words in Genesis, like. The Ab and Ben, so father and son, they can also mean forefather and descendant. So they argue that that's, oh, that's genealogy-based dating of creation instead of, like, father and son. It's the father, forefather, and descendant. And then we've already covered Yom, which is important. Where's the father and son terminology in, uh, in the opening of Genesis? It's uh, it's not in the opening. It's just oh, okay. Genesis. Yeah. Gotcha. I, I don't know where it was. They just glazed over it. But yeah, that's younger day, not younger, not them. That's day age creationism. I uh, I did find on Gap Theory, Michael Heiser, one of my favorite scholars of all time, said uh, um, some have asked for comments about the validity of gap theory. The idea that Genesis 1-1 speaks to the initial creation while Genesis 1-2 describes the destruction of that creation by some evil cataclysmic event. Mm -hmm. I know of no scholar who holds this view, <laughs> though it had its defenders a century ago. Uh, typically, this view is put forth in more popular Christian circles sometimes, but not always, in an attempt to explain the fossil record in the context of a literalist view of Genesis. So... For him, um, he hasn't heard of many scholars taking that seriously. I actually have, but uh, even those scholars didn't say, like, this is certain. It was just like a, it's a fanciful theory to think about. Um, but he then, and I won't quote this because it won't make any sense to us, but uh, there's an article by a Hebrew scholar, Bruce Waltke, who uh, basically explains how the hebrew grammar makes no sense for gap theory despite the fact that people say like you know this comma or whatever this pause would do it for the hebrew grammarians they don't even consider gap theory a possibility because it doesn't fit mm. uh, their trained eyes to make any sense of it so again especially in a world right now that is so full of conspiracy theories you know it's it's like taking little dots and connecting them until it makes a little sense, but it's it didn't ever mean to be communicated. Uh, gap theory kind of has that feel to it. You could write it out, but it doesn't quite make sense. So. All right. Um, that is what I had planned for today but the last one we'll talk about next time is progressive creationism and it's the belief that god created new forms of life gradually over periods of hundreds of millions of years so we'll dig into that next time um <laughs> which i think jamin kind of brushed the surface of yeah, i mean is that just called scientific theory <laughs> <laughs> it was that uh he did it and then he was like no 
we'll do something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for anyone who is struggling with this, I always say this on this topic. Uh, I believe that God can speak the world into existence, so it doesn't really bother me <laughs> where people yes. land on this. Because uh, <laughs> I would agree with you that he has that power. Uh, the most important reason, I think, to be convinced and to research this for other theories is if you want to minister to a world that uh, says that there's proof for this, regardless of what you believe, you're going to sound insane to them if you say, no, your your evidence is all wrong. You know, like they're not going to listen to you. Or as who was it? Augustine said, you know. Are they going to believe this a book about much crazier things if you just say that all these uh, uh, of the things in which they have proof for? You're like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> like, how right. are they going to believe in resurrection and all this other stuff if you can't even sound level-headed in a <laughs> uh, very what they would consider a normal conversation? But right. at the same time, outside of evangelism. If you want to believe that God spoke the world into being, for me, it might be different for Aaron. For me, it's just like, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, not no, like, I, it's not like that uh, determines your your salvation or anything. <laughs> I agree to a point. Like, uh, I have like a lot of problems with young Earth creationism and young oh, Earth science. Sure. But um, I agree. Like, we're here. God did it. Why does it matter on some level? Um, but yeah. I, I'm just I I'm speaking to anyone who's really struggling with it, but wants to wants to get it. Anyone yeah. who's like hard cut against this, I know I'm not going to be helpful. Right, I'm not. This is more informative. I know I'm not like changing minds like for people at some level. So you might be. You might be. I hope so. Yeah. You're changing mind right now. <laughs> I know that uh, day age uh, creationism is very. My parents really like this because um, they like to be like, oh well, like God created the universe. It could be any length of time. Like a minute for us could be like a million hundred years for God. And I'm like, sure. So I know that like it really does help a lot of Christians reconcile like scientific yeah. fact and um, the Bible. So. Yeah, and I think I would agree that it's probably the most it's the most equal ground you're going to find for anyone mm -hmm. who who needs to have it line up. But I'd agree with you. I think the Bible is using allegory. Yeah. And didn't expect they didn't know what science was, you know. So like they're not trying to talk to you about that. Uh and they they wouldn't be concerned with the middle ground and uh more recently there was a i think it was like the national jewish association of america is like we don't have a problem with evolution you know and like they're the ones they're their people wrote your book so right <laughs> it's like if they could get to that point maybe the rest of us can there's hope for us yet yeah yeah so anywho She's the environmental scientist. I'm the pastor. We forgot to say that. They're like, who are these oh, crazy goodness. people? goodness. Did we just, just start talking? Just talking ourselves? about. Goodness. I'm Aaron like Schott. Environmental scientist. Good Lord. They understand the things they're talking about. 
<laughs> it's too late now. They turned off 40 oh, minutes. No. They're like, who are these people? Oh, what a life. I love it. Yeah. This is we, We're a little bit rusty, everybody. <laughs> it's true. bit behind. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think that brings us to our close, unless you had anything else. Uh, nope. I almost said buy my book, but I don't have a book, so don't buy it. Erin's writing a book. Buy it after she's bought it. In the meantime, <laughs> buy my books. There you go. There you go. Buy James' books. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll catch you next time as the world falls apart. Sounds great. <laughs>